0: Sarah Polly, welcome to Studio 360.
1: Thank you very much.
0: So tell me how this wonderful movie of yours, Take This Waltz, came to be. What was its genesis?
1: I I think the original idea was to make a film about the concept of emptiness and about the idea that we all have this feeling of a gap in our life that we walk around with. Um, And I guess I wanted to make a film about a woman who feels that at the beginning of the film very obviously and who maybe upends her life in some way and ends up pretty much where she began. So I guess I was interested in the idea that culturally we're very uncomfortable with the feeling of something being missing and we generally interpret that to mean there's something wrong and it needs to be fixed or that it can be fixed. And I guess I wanted to show one person sort of grappling with that.
0: And Michelle Williams uh, is is grappling with that and and, and her... Seth Rogen playing her husband sort of pays the price of her grappling with that. Is it did you conceive of it as a generational issue? Obviously people feel empty of every age and always have, but is is there something about being in one's early th- in one's 30s that that is different these days?
1: I'm not sure because I've never, you know, been part of another generation, but my my sense from, you know, the movies or from what I've read is that You know, I feel like it's probable that more and more um, we live in a culture that's about, you know, if you have a goal, if you work hard enough, if you care enough, if you really want something, you can get it. That things can ultimately be perfect. You just have to make the right move. I feel like at least from, you know, what I, you know, see filmmakers, you know, and, and and how they used to make films, like if you look at any Betty Davis movie, I mean, th- there's no perfection in these people's lives, and there's no hope for perfection. There's a kind of world-weary, hilarious, jaded, um, articulate way of dealing with the mess of life. So I feel like I've, it seems to me that culturally we're less and less comfortable with the mess of life, and more and more certain that there's something we can do about it, right. which seems a little naive or something. So
0: so th- these ca- this character, this couple, has no more imperfect life than anybody else. I mean, th- there's nothing. Oh, that's that's gone wrong or that's horrible. It's just she has some vision inchoate idea of, but it it's not perfect,
1: right? And I I guess the other thing was you know when I was thinking about making a film about emptiness, I thought, well, how how is that fun to watch and how is that cinematic? And I think the obvious way to talk about it is desire and romantic desire and. How much stock we place in it, how much we think that might be the route to solving whatever emptiness there is in our lives. So, I wanted to make a film that felt kind of delicious about, you know, falling into that desire and what that feels like. Um, so, yes, Michelle Williams is married to Seth Rogen's character Lou, and um, they do have a fairly content life. There's nothing particularly wrong with it. They're content. They may be a little bored. They may be stuck in some ruts in their relationship. They may be not challenging each other the way they they might. Um, and that that feeling that life isn't completely filled up, she I think she begins to wonder if that's actually a problem when she's faced with a kind of all-encompassing desire provoked by Luke K- Kirby's character
0: and and thereby creates the drama of your drama and drama in her life almost not almost willfully.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. And I feel like maybe then, you know, there's some idea that if she's to pursue this other relationship, if she leaves her husband, does that mean that emptiness gets filled? Will that be the answer to not, you know, sitting in her sweltering kitchen and watching the muffins rise at the beginning of the film and feeling vaguely empty? Will that not happen to her again?
0: Michelle Williams has obviously played many dramatic roles. Seth Rogen uh, and Sarah Silverman, who is interesting and wonderful in this film as well, are comic actors. They're known as comic actors was how was that casting as far as they were concerned making them do these non funny roles.
1: it seemed completely easy for them to make that transition i mean i think that they're both you know such brilliant performers it wasn't a surprise to me that they could make the transition so easily and i think for them it's the same process that they always use when they're doing comedy is you know you you kind of just have to be very believable and authentic to make something work I think as a fan of theirs, I was really excited to see them do, do something dramatic and really thrilled that they were willing to sign on to this film.
0: And Sarah Silverman has said she was surprised that somebody like you with this significant piece of material even would think about coming to her.
1: Which is hilarious because I've been such a sort of obsessive fan of Sarah Silverman's for so long. And for me, just the idea that I would get to meet her was so unbelievable that... I, I was amazed that she, that she even said yes. Yeah. So it, it, it surprises me that people aren't storming down her door with material like this because she's so obviously capable of, you know, being excellent at whatever she does. Yes,
0: she's ferocious. Let's, let's listen to a clip of Sarah Silverman's character talking to Michelle Williams' character who, play, who is her sister-in-law. Hey. Hi. How are you doing? Oh. I haven't seen you in a real long time. So like okay. really long time. Is this Is what it takes to get you, you back? How you been? What, what happened, Childing?
1: I'm an alcoholic, moron. Nothing happened. This is my natural state. What, <laughs> what happened?
0: Really? Why wouldn't I ask that of you? You just disappeared, Margot. What a <laughs> obvious move. You, you think that everything can be worked out if you just make the right move? must be thrilling. I think it's thrilling. I don't agree. That's Sarah Silverman uh, in a scene from Take This Waltz, in which she does a, a, a slightly Canadian oat. <laughs> she does. Was that directed?
1: Well, both um, Michelle and Sarah, and actually um, Seth and Luke were Canadian all had to go to a dialect coach to learn a Canadian accent which is funny because you know as every actor who's worked in Canada knows you're usually sent to a dialect coach to, use it, to learn an American accent so they, they all took it very seriously getting the Canadian accent Is it that, that big of a deal
0: though B- beyond out and been uh, what else is there sorry. Oh, yeah. Michelle
1: Williams gives a really fine sorry in the film um, which no Canadian would notice, but every American seems to notice. I, th- I I tend to know when people are are American or Canadian. I'm not sure, and yeah. I feel like people notice I have an accent when I'm here, which is strange because of course you never feel like you have an accent.
0: As as a director, beyond ca- Canadianism or or Americanism, as a director, uh, do you deal with each of your actors in a different way, or is it just I'm a dr- I'm the director here, Seth here, Michelle here, Sarah do this.
1: That's interesting because I, I always think it's such a strange question when people ask, you know, how do you work with actors? And I do think it's an individual thing. I think you, it's a it's a human relationship based on communication. So if you have one way of communicating with everybody, I think that's the definition, you know, on some level of being some kind of sociopath. <laughs> yeah, a jerk is probably more accurate. So I, I think, yeah, you, you develop a relationship with someone and hopefully in the limited time you have, you get a sense of what they need and what vocabulary works for them. You can't always satisfy that with every actor, but... I'd like to think I deal with each actor pretty differently based on what what they're wanting or needing.
0: Although that kind of sociopathic (laughs) commander-in-chief is the the standard director stereotype.
1: It is, and it's also, you know, I think the stereotype of a director has also been defined by this idea of this kind of, You know, macho attitude of also, you know, I I know everything, I can do everything, I'm capable of everything. When in fact, it's a completely collaborative medium, probably more so than any other art form. Nobody's doing anything on their own; they're relying heavily on people, both technically and creatively. So, I I, I'm hoping that that will shift as there are more female directors that we we don't have to maintain this charade of us knowing the entire process, as though we're just, you know, have hired people to do what we don't have hands to do. The truth is, we rely heavily on our cinematographers, on our production designers, on our you know costume designers and on our actors to do what we can't do ourselves. And um, I think that's always been important to me to, to be flexible and to admit what I don't know, because I think as an actor, you know, there's nothing less attractive than a first time filmmaker acting like they know everything, in front of a crew of people who've done their jobs for 20 and 30 years. I mean, everybody everybody knows you're, you're lying. <laughs> so I think it's, I, I hope that there'll be more of, uh, more directors who can just kind of admit, you know, what their skill set is and what it isn't. And what about
0: that positive uh, gender stereotype of women are better at that kind of uh, more subtle bossiness and the collaborative <laughs> collaborative nature? Is that, is that true in your experience?
1: Um, it's true and not true. I've worked with some great uh, male directors sure, who sure, are also sure. very, very collaborative and, <laughs> um, and some some really uh, dictatorial women. So I don't think it's um, so obviously that. But, yeah, I think in a very, very generalized way, I think um, women can be good at admitting what they don't know more readily, and I think that can kind of get held against them at times at, in the current climate. But Who's, Who holds it against them? Um... I feel like, you know, when you're promoting a film, for instance, people kind of want a strong personality. People kind of want to know that you are some kind of mad, tormented artist. Be the auteur. Yes, and that made people crazy. And, you know, they have such a distinct way of working. And and I, I guess it's it's more um, entertaining on some level. It's a better narrative, but it it's always strikes me as like a little bit of... You know, a bit fraudulent. It's something. like a different
0: version of they want writers to be starving in their garret, or they want they they want the story that they know,
1: something like that. Yeah, and the way they you know how did the uh, the question I love is how did you get that performance out of that actor? So <laughs> everything you've done has been you know sort of Matthew I Dallian. shot a pistol <laughs> behind his <laughs> exactly. head and he wasn't aware. <laughs> um,
0: uh, the reason, uh, one of the reasons we're talking to a lot of women directors, the real the reason is suddenly I had this moment earlier this year, right around the time I saw your film when I realized that literally half of my favorite movies of the last several years have been directed by women. And I don't think it's me that's changed. I suddenly thought, wow, there there is a breakthrough happening in a, in a big way. I mean, there's you, Catherine Bigelow, Jennifer Westfeld, Lisa Cholodenko, Julie Delphi, Sofia Coppola, Lynn Shelton, why now? Is, is there something about the indie film world that is hospitable to women and allowing this golden age to occur
1: I don't know I mean I I I can't really explain why it's taken so long and I can't explain why there's a little bit of a shift now I still think there's a really long way to go Um, but yeah I I know that when I had my very first short film at the Sundance Film Festival I was looking desperately around for another female filmmaker and I think I found two and I remember when I had away from her there 40% of the filmmakers at Sundance were women so I don't know what explains the shift I think there's a long way to go still and i also think there's another um thing that we're not talking about as much which is a really big problem which is a huge lack of diversity economically and racially in terms of you know who are making films so now i think we still have a long way to go in terms of the gender equality but i think we have a much further way to go in terms of like i don't want to hear that many more privileged white voices you know behind a camera like it's it's great you know there's a lot of great films out there but you know it's very hard for someone from a limited economic background to get to, you know, take the years it takes to make their short films or go to film school or get their hands on a camera. And hopefully that will change as the technology becomes more accessible. But I think there's a, a long way to go in terms of economic diversity in terms of the kinds of films we're seeing. Is
0: I mean, we, we, we have thought for the 20 years we've talked about an independent film revolution it, uh, in terms of the content of the films, that these character-driven, interesting takes... All, all those things are part of what we think of as indie films. It seems as though allowing women, talented women, to make good movies is another collateral effect of this indie mm. revolution.
1: That's interesting. Yeah. I, 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 I again I'm I'm totally at a loss of what explains why it's taken so long for women to be filmmakers and and even just you know, in terms of film crews, I mean it's so heavily male dominated. I'm I'm fascinated. Even in
0: the even at, at the the level the small level of films you make
1: absolutely absolutely i mean i I know three female cinematographers working in toronto right now which is astonishing to me but again yeah i can't explain why there's been a shift for the better as well and why you know there is so much more representation it's really interesting
0: have you ever experienced what felt like sexism professionally
1: i think that i've been really really lucky so um I haven't very much actually like and I, I do think that that's really unusual I've certainly been on sets where I've seen female directors uh, face intense sexism and um, constant undermining I think I've I've been able to surround myself with incredibly supportive men and women who were very very nurturing and great mentors to me in every department so um, I I don't feel like I think I've lived a very privileged life um, that's very unusual
0: yeah. and and the films you make are a lot like the films that a lot of these women I'm talking about make, which is to say about relationships and they they don't have giant explosions mostly and, and, and they're character driven. Uh, that again becomes then this, this cliche and this stereotype of oh, that's the kind of film a woman can make. Um, first of all, is, are, do women tend to be better at those kinds of films than men as directors?
1: think necessarily i mean like you know men have made great films about these kinds of things forever i mean pedro motivar and woody allen so i think you know promoting the idea of and they're all in
0: their 60s and 70s yeah
1: and like you know promoting the idea of women making films doesn't mean we have to negate the great films men have made you know on these very subjects i think it's just a matter of and, and in terms of the subject matter women take on i also think women aren't really trusted with anything else right now i mean i know female filmmakers who would love to make you know, an action film or, you know, a horror film or some kind of thr- thriller. And they just don't get the financing for those kinds of movies. So, you know, Catherine Bigelow would be the exception. But um, I think that women aren't necessarily trusted with subject matter other than this. I'm, it happens to be what I'm what I'm interested in to make these intimate character dramas. And I'm lucky. But um, if I ever want to do something else, I think it would be more challenging. So
0: it's that it, in a sense, that's almost the last uh or one of the last glass ceilings, maybe, for women filmmakers that, you, you know, oh, yes, you make these beautiful little character pieces.
1: I guess, although I still think there's a long, long way to go. I mean, I still think if you look at the, you know, what's being released generally, it is still so heavily male-dominated. I think there's still, you know, a long way, a long way to go. Yeah,
0: but there's mm-hmm. measurable progress, which even Absolutely. 10 years ago you couldn't have said so much. Absolutely, yeah. uh, You have a family? Yep. Yeah and and does does making films in the independent world uh allow for balancing the needs of your family with your work better than you know big hollywood w- movies would
1: i would assume it's better but i'm not i'm not sure quite how it works yet i mean i just had my first child so this is a big question for me i was actually cornering mary Heron at a party last night going so as a female filmmaker with children like how like how do you do this how do you juggle it and know wanting to get some kind of input because again I think another disadvantage for female filmmakers we don't have a lot of role models right like women my age don't have a ton of women older than them to look up to. there's and, two or three <laughs> right so so you know I find Mary Heron at a party and I, I just want to know everything she can tell me so yeah so I'm I'm curious as to how it gets juggled and how it gets managed I'm I'm ho- I'm certain there's a way I just have to figure out what it, what, what it is
0: you've acted in you've acted in in two Hollywood horror films Dawn of the Dead and Splice uh did that, were they just happenstance or does that genre appeal to you?
1: I think it's really fun to just step outside what you normally do and to not get too claustrophobic in the kind of genre, or the kinds of films you make and you know, learn what people are doing when they're using the medium to make something completely else. And um, I think I wanted to have a lot of fun. I think I really liked the creative teams involved in those films and thought that they were going to do something very interesting within that genre.
0: And it proves you're not too precious or pretentious, right? Right, <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> which is important. <laughs> if if
0: if you were going to direct a big budget Hollywood movie, do you have any notions of what that would be?
1: Um I don't. I mean, I just optioned Alias Grace, which is a novel by Margaret Atwood, which is, you know, a movie that will be on a very big scale. I don't think it's, you know, a huge commercial movie, but I think it's a, a lot bigger than any film I've considered before, so um, that would probably be the. And the and it's
0: it's a Canadian making a Canadian writer's uh,
1: film. I guess that's right. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh,
0: do do you? Uh, th- there are endless uh, comedies, especially uh, coming out of Hollywood, about men and women. Um, a few of which are good. Most of which are, to me, uh, formulaic and unreal. Even worse than being formulaic. Uh, do you ever get the sense that Hollywood has lost the knack of how to how to make that kind of movie well?
1: Um, I do, and I think that it's this obsession with making characters sympathetic all the time. If you look at the great movies that used to get made out of Hollywood... The characters were a pain in the butt. Like, you know, Betty Davis' characters were like difficult and prickly and brittle. And, or Joan Crawford or Barbara Crawford, Stanwyck. They yeah. were, I know, they were like the idea of the broad used to be there. And that was sexy. It wasn't like the sideshow character actor part. It was like the main leading lady was a broad who was a real piece of work. And that made for interesting stories about relationships. They were way more relatable. And I think this idea that we have to like everybody all the time, makes for really boring movies because we don't recognize ourselves in it. We all have a certain amount of self-loathing that's healthy. I think that's good to see represented in, in movie characters. And I just think there, there, there's no room for um, tension or for things to be truly funny when everyone has to be nice all the time. That's, so. a,
0: that's a great point. And, or for the audience to figure out do I like her? Don't I like her? How do I
1: like her? Yeah, yeah. And, and how how can I like this person when these things about them are so objectionable, which is how we feel about so many people in our lives. So.
0: And what are you doing now? Is that this Margaret Atwood project the next thing?
1: That'll be the next thing. For now I'm just, you know, home with a baby, you know, breastfeeding around the clock, and then when I um, get my brain back at some point, I might start uh start writing again and uh and that will definitely be the next film I make.
0: And and take this waltz uh, Happily, and I guess perhaps necessarily, uh, they they don't have a chill- child. The, mm-hmm. the the couple was that a was that ever something you thought about, which would make it a much more tragic story if they did.
1: I thought it was really important they not have a child, so that it, you know the idea of you know moving on because you're not completely happy becomes a lot more complicated with kids. I mean, I think all of a sudden you do actually have to consider that you being completely a hundred percent happy might not be the only you know, objective in life when there's a child involved, that if you're fairly happy, maybe that's enough with a kid. Um, So I thought I did want to make it about that idea of a culture needing instant gratification, needing things to be perfect, as opposed to the complicating factor of what it would mean to love your child and not want to disrupt their life.
0: Sarah Polly, thank you so much. Thank you so much.